Though as an infant, Jesus cannot act in his own defense, God's steady protection and Joseph's faithful obedience combine to ensure his safety in a world of danger. While threats abound, God carefully orchestrates Jesus' earliest days according to Matthew. Matthew 2, verses 13 through 23. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, and Happy New Year. Consider with me the theme, if you would, for this sermon, the grace and the glory of Christmas. It was December 26th, yes, just Monday of this past week, and it was the second day of Christmas. I sat down after lunch to see what I might find on television to remind me of the season. My household, you see, had been overtaken by the common cold as the sniffly, sneezing, stuffy head syndrome began to plague us. Thankfully, however, no one had tested positive for COVID. So this moment was certainly a brief pause in the caretaking of a very sick child and a sick husband while I found myself fighting hard to keep myself and our second child free of the terrible sniffling, sneezing, stuffy head cough symptoms. What I was immediately struck by as a commercial was already in progress was the implication that we were all done with Christmas. Yes, it was an advertisement from the same multi-billion dollar company which amassed millions upon millions while we were all sheltering in place not too long ago. You know the one with the brown box and the arrow that is painted in the direction of a smile. As I saw a person outside with a blow up snowman, a woman putting away a snow globe with a reflective look of fondness on her face. The image of a couple working to box up lights and shove one of those familiar brown boxes into an attic. I became angry. I was incensed and felt robbed of my brief moment of relaxation and 
the grace and glory of Christmas. When reading that the assigned gospel was centered on Joseph and Mary seeking asylum in Egypt, I had memories of my travels there just before the pandemic. My husband took me to Egypt for our 10th wedding anniversary and a pre-birthday present for me. Thank goodness for his foresight because soon we were all locked down due to the pandemic. It was amazing to reflect, albeit briefly, on our travels to the places mentioned in Holy Scripture surrounding the birth of Jesus, even our time on the Nile River. As I saw the text on the screen as a commercial ended, my focus for the sermon began to shift. It read, thank you for letting us be a part of your holidays. That did not seem good enough. To me, it felt unacceptable. It seemed meaningless. Sure, I appreciated the basic notion of saying thank you, for indeed that is what Christmas is about. Not only do we share gifts with our loved ones, we have certainly made this company and many others exponentially richer in the process. But I digress. We want to remember the importance of this time and saying thank you is one way of doing that. In fact, Catholic nun Sister Joan Chittister recently wrote, Christmas is time to shout thank you. So I had to ask myself, what bothered me so greatly? I rewound the commercial, noting again that I started viewing it after it was underway. I paid careful attention. No one said anything in the commercial. There were smiles of contentment and images of frustration, but no words were spoken as soft music played in the background. I realized that I was angry with the implication that the secular realm continues to ride our holiday messages and the emotional attachment until they capitalize on the meaning it holds to us, then they leave us. They have no genuine regard for the grace and glory of Christmas. We get dropped like a hot potato. Yes, I refer to us and we intentionally as the body of Christ. Those people of the way. We are they. We are the ones holding tightly to the Christmas cheer and not merely flying reindeer. Yes, those of us who gather on this day, not because of form or fashion, as was often said when I was growing up, but simply because we understand our faith to be a part of our very lifeline. As we prepare to enter this new calendar year, 2023, the world is finally catching up with us. Yes, in the church, you know, we began the new year with Advent. Now we come to the moment when the world is ready to embrace another calendar year and runs swiftly past the grace and glory of Christmas. We especially begin envisioning our new year with the hope and prayer that God is directing our paths. Yes, it is New Year's Day, but some of us in the Christian faith are reminded that it is also the eighth day of Christmas. At my children's holiday concert, I heard my daughter's sixth grade class singing that late 18th century English carol. On the eighth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me eight maids of milking, seven swans of swimming, six geese of laying, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. Yes, 
in its own way. It leans heavily on the commercialism of its time, but the meaning of celebrating the 12 days seems lost on so many. Yet on that day, the second day of Christmas, we hardly had time to receive two turtle doves when this mega company with global impact is telling us it's all over. There is no grace and glory in that. For those of us who remember the nativity of our Lord, we remember the danger he was under because of King Herod's envy. We understand that the first day of our celebration of his birth is not the only day. We remember Herod's role in the story. Yes, the one who sent out his death squads with orders to kill every child under the age of two in the district of Bethlehem, just as it was written in our gospel for today. As one scholar puts it, this story matters and it matters because it tells us the truth. The sometimes difficult truth of unjust rulers and violence and private grief and personal pain and all the rest. The truth of the matter is that in 2022, we experienced some collective troubles and some personal fears, some major disappointments and some minor setbacks. We do not want to rush past our blessings at Christmas time. Instead, we want a moment to revel in it and to see just what the Lord has done. As we gathered for the midweek meditation this Christmas week, Sister Jones' reflection reminded us, Christmas is the obligation to see that everything leads us directly to God, to realize that there is no one, nothing on earth that is not the way to God for me. So the start of any new year often reminds us of our need for God's grace and glory at Christmas time and beyond. We are reminded that our culture loves a sentimental Christmas. Yes, many of us, many of us, I think, are aware of Jim Wallace, editor-in-chief of Sojourners magazine. But I wonder if we are as familiar with his wife, Joy Carol Wallace, Anglican priest. She wrote the book, The Woman Behind the Collar who writes about the pitfalls and dangers of being short-sighted and sentimental about what happened just that Christmas morn back in a stable so long ago. She writes, a danger of our sentimentality is that we tend to lose interest in the parts of the story that are not so comfortable. We smile at the warm, cozy nativity scene, but have you ever spent a night in a barn? No sooner have the wise men left the stable than King Herod plots to kill Jesus. He is so determined that he is willing to sacrifice many innocent lives in order to get to this one baby. Herod recognizes something about Jesus that is our sentiment when we fail to see that the birth of this child is a threat to his kingdom, a threat to that kind of domination and rule. Jesus challenges the very power structures of this evil age. Herod has all the male infants in Bethlehem murdered. Not so cozy, right? Herod enters the birth narrative to eliminate the grace and glory of Christmas. And so Reverend Joy Carol Wallace reminds us that this is the Jesus who entered the bloody history of Israel and the human race. But we don't want to think about Herod, now do we? She says Van Horn calls him the Ebenezer Scrooge without the conversion and the Grinch without a change of heart. 
We Christians like to talk about putting Christ back into Christmas. But let's not forget to put Herod back into Christmas, she says. Herod represents the dark side of the gospel. He reminds us that Jesus did enter a world of sparkly Christmas cards or a world of warm spiritual sentiment. Jesus enters a world of real pain, of serious dysfunction, a world of brokenness and political oppression. Jesus was born an outcast, a homeless person, a refugee, and finally he becomes a victim to the powers that be. Jesus is the perfect savior for outcasts, refugees, and nobodies. That is how the church is described in scripture time and time again, not as the best and the brightest, but those who in their weakness become a sign for the world of the wisdom and power of God. It is that wisdom and power of God that we march onward into a new year, proclaiming new victories, experiencing new joys, and reconciling old relationships and the wrongs of our past, knowing that we are anchored in the grace and the glory of the Lord. During this week of Christmas, I received a much anticipated package. I was looking forward to it and was eager when it arrived to open it. The note inside offered this timely message. This past year, you went after all the blessings God had for you, and you deserve to be applauded. Whether it was in the boardroom, the classroom, at the gym, or from your in-home office, you left no stone unturned as you chased your dreams. So, people of God, let us face the reality of an unknown future with the good news that we are accompanied by a God who never abandons us. A new year brings new hope, new opportunities, new aspirations, and new mercies. As you move forward in the days ahead, just remember there are still several more days of Christmas. We need the spirit and commitment of Christmas every day. Sister Joan says to us, it is the call to see God everywhere, and especially in those places we would not expect to find glory and grace.